We're going to pray for our time together now, and our prayers are going to be informed by the first part of our main Bible reading. So I'm going to be giving us the rest of it a little bit later on. But for now, let's uh, read Genesis chapter 20, uh, Genesis chapter 29. Then we'll look on at uh, chapters 30 and 31 in a few minutes. So we pick things up. Genesis 29, starting at verse 1. Then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. As he looked, he saw a well in the field, and behold, three flocks of sheep lying beside it. Out of that well the flocks were watered. The stone on the well's mouth was large, and when all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put the stone back in its place over the mouth of the well. Jacob said to them, My brothers, where do you come from? They said, We are from Haran. He said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? They said, We know him. He said to them, Is it well with him? They said, It is well. And see, Rachel, his daughter, is coming with the sheep. He said, Behold, it is still high day. It's not time for the livestock to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go pasture them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and the stone is rolled from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's kinsman and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Jacob told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh, and he stayed with them for a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter Rachel. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is complete. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Laban gave his female servant, Zilpah, to his daughter Leah to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this that you've done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, It's not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one. 
and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant Bilhah, Bilhah to his daughter Rachel to be her servant. So Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and served Laban for another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son, and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Again she conceived and bore a son, and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son, and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. The readings taken from Genesis 30 and 31, which is found on page 24 in the Church Bible. Genesis 30 and 31. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, Give me children or I shall die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, Am I in a place of God, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Then she said, Here is my servant, Billa. Go into her, so that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children through her. So she gave him her servant, Billa, as a wife, and Jacob went into her, and Billa conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me, and has also heard my voice, and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. Rachel's servant Billa conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With mighty wrestlings I have wrestled my sister and prevailed. So she called his name Nathalie. When Leah saw that she ceased bearing children, she took her servant Zippla and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Then Leah's servant Zippla bore a Jacob a son, and Leah said, Good fortune has come. So she called his name Gad. Leah's servant Zipha bore Jacob a second son, and Leah said, Happy am I, for women have called me happy. So she called his name Asher. In the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother, Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Is it is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? Rachel said, Then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. Then Jacob came from the field in the evening. Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night. And God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me wages because I gave my servant to my husband. So she called his name Asakah. Then Leah conceived again and she bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with good endowment. Now my husband will honor me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Afterwards, she bore a daughter and she called her name Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel. 
And God listened to her and opened up her womb. She conceived and bore a son, and she said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. As soon as Rachel had bore Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my home and my and country. Give me my wives and my children, for I have earned you, served you. Therefore I may go for, for, go for you, for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. Jacob said to him, you yourself know that I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me, for you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when, when, but now when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, what shall I give you? Jacob said, you shall, give, give me, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flocks and keep it. Let me pass through your, all your flocks today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and spotted and speckled amongst the goats. And they shall be my wages, for my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Every one that is not speckled or spotted amongst the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. Laban said, Good, let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted, and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it, and every lamb that was black, and put them in charge of his sons. He set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob pastored the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and of almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that had, pe had peeled in front of the flocks in troughs, that is the watering places, where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks. And so the flocks brought forth stripes, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the fox towards the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flocks. Whenever the stronger of the flocks were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed amongst the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had flocks, female servants, male servants, and camels and donkeys. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all what was our father's, and from what was our father's he has gained all this wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. So the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flocks was and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength. 
Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. For he said, the spotted shall be your wages. Then all the flocks bore spot, spotted. And if he said, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flocks, I have lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flocks were striped, spotted, mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in, a dream, in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. He said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted and mottled. For I have seen that all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of, of the I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or in, of our inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we no, not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possessions that he had acquired in Padanaram, to go to the land of Cain and his father Isaac. Laban had gone to Shear cheer the she his sheep, and Rachel stole his father's household gods. And Jacob tricked Laban, the Armenian, by not telling him that he in intended to flee. He fled with all that he had, and arose and crossed the Euphrates, and set his face towards the hill country of Gilead. And when it was told of Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him, and pursued him for seven days, and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. But God came to Laban the Armenian in a dream by night, and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done that you have done? Sorry, what have you done? that you have tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of, of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and tricked me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with myrrh and songs, with tambourine and lyre? And why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters farewell? Now you have done foolishly. Is it in my power to do you harm? But the God of your father spoke to to me last night, saying, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And now you have gone away because you have longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I thought that you would have taken your daughters from me by force. Anyone with whom you find your gods shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what I have that is yours, and take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent, and into Leah's tent, and into the tent of the two female servants 
but he did not find them. He went out of Leah's tent and entered, entered Rachel's. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them in the camel sandal, saddle and sat on them. Laban felt all about the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, let not, let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the way of women is upon me. So he searched, but did not find the house or gods. Then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, what is my offense? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? For you have felt through all my goods. What have you found of all your household goods? Set it, here, set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen, that they may decide between us too. These twenty years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, and I have not eaten the rams of your flocks. What was torn by wild beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. For my hand you have required it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Therefore, therefore I, there I was, by day the heat consumed me, and the cold by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. Twenty years I have been in your house. I have served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day for these my daughters or for their children whom they born? Come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his kinsmen, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap. And they ate there by the heap. Laban called it Jegar Sahadahuh, but Jacob called it Gilead. Laban said, the heap is, my, is a witness between you and me today. Therefore he named it Galid and Mispah. For he said, the Lord watched between you and me, and we are, are out of one another's sight. If you oppress my daughters, or if you take wives beside my daughters, although no one is with us to see, God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, see this heap and see the pillar which I have set between you and me. This is a witness, and the pillar is a witness, that I will not pass over the heap to you, and you will not pass over the heap, and this pillar is to me to, to do harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by, by the fear of, of his father, Isaac, and Jacob offered a sacrifice to the hill country and called his kingsmen to eat bread. They ate bread and spent the night in the hill country. Early in the morning, Laban rose and kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned home.
Thank you very much, Simon. Please do keep that uh, open. We'll have a look at that together. Outline of where we're going, as you'd expect, and an opportunity at the end to um, make any comments or ask any questions. But before we go any further, let's uh, pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God who is truthful, good, and sovereign. And we pray, please, as your people, that we would vindicate who you are in our response to your word this morning. Please, would you help us to be attentive, to listen, to trust uh, what you say, and to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen. The twelve tribes of Israel are fairly well known, even among those with only a cursory knowledge of Christianity. But I suspect that people are a lot less familiar with their genesis, which we read about today, which is quite remarkable. Born between two wives and two surrogate mothers into a family of envy and lovelessness. That is the origins of the offspring of Jacob that will go on to form the 12 tribes of Israel. Are we to be shocked by this? Should we expect a more honourable beginning to the nation of Israel? Would it have not been more fitting for Jacob to have had but one wife who gave birth to all 12 into a happy, stable family? That the origins of Israel are less well known, is that a good thing? Is it a mistake to dwell on it now? Ought we to hush it up? And if not, what are we to learn from such a beginning? Well, the background to Genesis 29 is Genesis chapter 28. And in particular, 28 verses 1 and 2. So let's remind ourselves. Genesis 28, verse 1. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite woman. Arise, go to Padam Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. Jacob is directed by his father to take a wife. And it comes with a stipulation. She must not be a Canaanite, but instead one of his own kindred. If Jacob is to inherit the land, he must not marry among those destined to disinherit the land. And for this, he will need to travel. And so 29 verse 1, out of obedience to his father, then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. Now there is a certain irony to the account of Jacob finding a wife. For the deceiver is himself deceived. The one who deceived his older brother out of his birthright 
and the blessing is now deceived by Laban into marrying Leah rather than Rachel. Few marriages could have a worse start. Now it's interesting that there is no theological comment at all in this section. The narrator leaves the reader to reflect on how these events fit with the promise made to Jacob. Now sometimes theological comment is made to help the reader understand the significance of what's going on. But other times the narrator leaves the work to the reader. It's not a free-for-all though, for the necessary lens in which to understand these events has already been provided by the narrator. We're expected to read these events through the lens of God's promise. God had promised a multitude of descendants to Jacob, 28 verse 13. And through these experiences, God's purpose was advanced. It would be through the unloved Leah and her maid Zilpah that eight of the twelve tribes traced their descent. Even the deceitfulness of Laban can be overruled to bring the divine plan to fulfilment. Now, the account of the birth of Jacob's children is full of twists and turns. Let's just follow it through. The opening verse depicts the plight of the two wives. So Leah, she's unloved, verse 30, and Rachel, she's barren, verse 31. And it was Leah who gives birth first to the first four sons, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Then, with Rachel being barren and envious of her sister, she offers her servant Bilhal, Bilhah to Jacob to have the next two sons, Dan and Naphtali. At this point, Leah, unable to have further children, offers her servant Zilpah to Jacob to have the next two sons, Gad and Asher. You're keeping up. Then Rachel exchanges with Leah a night in Jacob's bed for some of Leah's mandrakes, which are considered to be an ancient fertility drug. So that Leah then has two more sons, Issachar and Zebulun, and then her first daughter, Dina. Then Rachel has a son of her own, Joseph. Now, if you count them up, and I've got this right, that is 11 sons and one daughter. So the 12th son, Benjamin, we have to wait until Genesis chapter 35. Now, one of the things that's interesting here is that whereas the account of Jacob finding a wife had no theological comment, here 
there is theological comment. It includes a comment that concerns the birth of the first son and the birth of the last son, and one that is perhaps implied for all the births in between. It is that the Lord opened Leah's and then Rachel's womb. Let me show you, 29 verse 31. Then the Lord saw that Leah was hated. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And then chapter 30, verse 22. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. You see, at the purely human level, what we see are the underhand tactics of both women used to promote their own goals. Yet theologically, what we're witnessing is that God's word is far more effective than any human manipulation. The larger picture is becoming clearer. The great nation that Abraham and Sarah were promised is gradually becoming a reality. The blessing of innumerable descendants for Rebecca is beginning to happen. Well, with Rachel having given birth to Joseph, now the time was ripe to return to the land promised as an inheritance to him and to his descendants. So chapter 30, verse 25. As soon as Rachel had borne Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Notice that Jacob here describes the land as my land. It implies not just that he was born there, but it represents his recollection of the promise. Jacob will find it difficult to make a break from Laban and return to his homeland. And in the first instance, Laban wants him to stay because, verse 27, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Well, in response, Jabin makes a proposal that would appear to cost Laban very little. Now, the thing here that inevitably tends to catch our eye is Jacob's breeding technique. In particular, can single-coloured sheep and goats really be persuaded to give birth to streaked, spotted or speckled young simply by showing them stripes? when they mated. Part of reading Genesis is learning to look at the right things in the right way. And in particular, what we're learning is to see how the importance of these chapters in Genesis are seen in their relation to the promise. And the aspect of the promise being worked out here is seeing how God blessed Jacob. God promised Abraham that he would bless him and his descendants. And this promise has been worked out in the way that Jacob's flocks were increasing. And you can see a, a summary of his prosperity 
there in chapter 30, verse 43. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants, and camels and donkeys. Jacob flourished in a foreign land because God was with him, as he had been promised. And it's the promise that also makes sense of what's going on between um, Jacob and Laban. Because for a time, Laban is blessed by having Jacob with him. Laban's livestock flourished under Jacob's care. But when Laban turns against Jacob, Laban's livestock are taken away from Laban and given to Jacob. And no sooner than Jacob has left Laban, Laban chases after him and makes a covenant with him because he realises that Jacob is so blessed by God. Now before we conclude, there's an interesting detail that is worth highlighting. Let's pick it up from 31 verse 17. Thirty-one seventeen. So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Padan Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole her father's household gods. And Jacob tricked Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he intended to flee. He fled with all that he had and arose and crossed the Euphrates and sent his face towards the hill country of Gilead. So not waiting to get permission from Laban, Jacob absconds. Choosing the busiest time in the herdsman's calendar, sheep-shearing time, Jacob flees with everything he had, but with one extra thing. Rachel has stolen Laban's household gods. It's an interesting detail and invites a comparison between such gods and the Lord. Laban's gods are physical. They can be stolen. They can be sat on and hidden. Laban's gods are domesticated. The Lord God well, if we go back to Genesis chapter 1, is the uncreated creator. He's not part of his creation. He cannot be stolen, sat on, or hidden. But interestingly here in Genesis chapter 31, the narrator again leads the reader to reflect on this and surmise that it's precisely through Laban's attempt to discover his household gods that the Lord God provides just the opportunity that Jacob needs. It provides the opportunity for Jacob to go on the offensive and ultimately secure a peaceful departure from Laban to return to the land as the Lord had commanded. We began by asking, what are we to make of Israel's beginning? 
should we expect a more honourable beginning to this nation? And there are a number of things that we can say. The goings-on in this family, rather than frustrate the plan of God, actually advance the plan of God. It's through these experiences that God's purposes move forward. And it contributes to uh, this idea that God's plan cannot be thwarted. The envy and the lovelessness in this particular family doesn't ultimately jeopardise God fulfilling his promise. But we witness too the providence of God in his provision to Jacob. God had said that I will be with you. And God was faithful to that promise, providing him with a wife and offspring and an abundance of flocks and servants and camels and donkeys. I mean, it's illuminating to consider what the alternative might have been. What would it have looked like if God had picked, say, Babylon to be the nation that bore his name? A great city with a mighty tower reaching to the heavens. In terms of sheer numbers, Babylon would be a superior choice. Yet God chose Abraham, whose beginning we saw a few weeks ago was not very promising. His brother died, 1128. His wife was barren, 1130. As far as the ancient world was concerned, he was a no-name. Yet, God set his love on this one. God made his promise to Abraham. And God intends to be faithful to this family because of the promise he has made. The whole origins of the Israelite nation were not characterised by their moral purity or their theological clarity or their single-hearted devotion to the one true God. Rather, their origins began with God and the promise he made to Abraham. Let's pray, and then I'll open up to any questions or comments you might have. Heavenly Father, as we read this account of Jacob finding a wife and having children, we thank you how we can understand it in terms of you bringing about the fulfilment of your promise to this family. We thank you that it contributes to this idea that your plan cannot be thwarted and that you will provide what is required so that your promise will be fulfilled. We thank you how that's a theme that runs throughout the entire Bible and how, as we'll consider later on, that actually that fulfilment um, has now been complete in the coming of your Son. We do thank you for how you provide for your creation and your purpose to redeem the people and um, make good 
on your creation purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, would anyone like to make a comment or ask a question? In which case, let's leave it there. And uh, we're going to sing um, our next song, O to See the Dawn.